Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, April 14th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. After a 1-6 start at home, the mood couldn't have been worse for the Royals as they headed out on their first road trip last week. But a week away from the K worked out well. The Royals took two out of three in San Francisco and then played their best game of the season in the series finale at Texas. They got a little bit of wind in their sails as they opened their second homestand tonight against the Atlanta Braves. On today's show, star reporters Pete Gradhoff and Scott Chasen joined me to discuss the season. And on the road trip, the starting pitching continued to stand out, but so did the inability to hit with runners in scoring position until the last game. So we discussed those topics and many more on today's show. Let's get started talking Royals. We are talking Royals with Pete Gradhoff and Scott Chasen. And I think we are the last three people to cover Royals games. So I thought we would convene and and talk about what we have seen and what we're noticing with these Royals. And uh, let me start off by saying right off the bat that uh, we're going to dispense with this because this is posting on Friday and we're recording it on Thursday. And we're going to dispense with the you know, don't worry about saying yesterday or tomorrow or something like that. Just say what you need to say and uh, make it easy on yourselves. And and one more proviso here. I'm still sitting in a hotel room and outside my hotel room, there's some construction going on. And in the hallway on the other side of my hotel room, there's construction going on. So if there's a, if there's a faint buzz sound, um, that's, that's what it is. Oh. Yeah, I was wondering, Blair, if you were stacking books or what was going on in the background there. I'm just kidding. I don't think you can hear it. <laughs> All right, good. It could be a swarm of bees sound, but uh, but there are definitely drills happening on either side of me here uh, in in uh, Arlington, Texas. I'm about to make my way back home to KC, but uh, watched the Royals three-game series against Texas Rangers. It ended nicely for the boys in blue with a 10-1 to victory on Wednesday night in the season, uh, the series finale, which means they go home to Kansas City, uh, three and three on the road trip. And I guess, Pete, if, um, you, you know, three and three playing 500 on the road is the ideal, right? Uh, to have a winning record at home, break even on the road. The problem for the Royals was they didn't have a winning record in the homestand that preceded this first road trip. But still, they're they're coming off. Uh, they're coming home off of a, a nice victory. Exactly. That it started well and ended well. It was that middle part, those middle three that uh, were kind of ugly, but uh, you're right. You finish 500 on the road. I think the Royals would take that any year. And uh, if they can keep that up, that, that should, that should uh, bode well, you know, three and three after being one and six at home. And there were a lot of good signs to see from the team. I think, uh, especially offensively, um, uh, in San Francisco and in Texas. Yeah, Scott, they, um, uh, so last night they bang out 14 hits in the 10 to one win. They had 11 the night before in the game that they lost in 10 innings. We'll talk about that one too in a moment, but that's the first time this season they've had back-to-back double digit base hits. Kind of a good sign. That was heck after, you know, we were into the third game of the Royal season, wondering if they're going to score in 2023. Um, and and now they you know they, they have a couple of nice offensive games, so that was good to see from the Royals last night. But, but kind of the biggest breakout game bat wise for them all year. Yeah, well, Blair, I you know I covered those first games on the roads, you know, on the road trip, and 
I walked into kind of a, a tense clubhouse and I wasn't sure what it was going to be like, but you talk to the pitchers and everyone was loose and easy and having a good time. And you talk to anyone who holds a bat um, and, and there was a little bit of tension and, and there was a little bit of, you know, Hey, we know we're hitting the ball hard. When is it going to start falling into places? And, you know, I, I, I it really felt like, you know, other than probably, I don't want to say giving away because, you know, the third game of the San Francisco series could have gone either way. And, and maybe you feel that same way about the game in, in Texas, that the Royals had a lead late um, and ended up losing in the 10th inning. Um, this was a 500 road trip, but I, I feel like it felt like there were more signs of progress and actually more positive than a team that did go three and three in those two series. So, you know, if you're a Royals fan, if you're someone who's been following them, I think they gave you way more reason to at least stick with them for a little bit on the road here um, than certainly the way it started at home. Yeah. So they're off on, on Thursday today while we're recording this and open up a series with the Atlanta Braves at home on, on Friday, you know, you said that they, Scott, you said that they um, may have given one away in their Sunday. Uh, they stole one on Saturday in San Francisco. That was a heck of a win. Uh, the, probably the feel-good victory of the season, down four and and then early, and then five to two late, and get the, the rally for the. I believe it was four. Was it four in the eighth, or was it three and one? I can't remember the sequence. But anyway, they rallied for the six-five victory in in that game, and until I think until last night, until the ten to one win, that that one stood as the the single memorable game for for the Royals this year. You know. Pete, you and I, we've been around long enough to know and see a lot of bad Royal starts over the years. Um, and when they had the one in six homestand, to do that at home, too, to go one in six mm-hmm. in front of the fans at home, it was it was more of – I know I felt this. It really, we're going to do this again. I, I know and the managers knew, the staff is new, and not only they knew, but they're bringing a lot of new and fresh ideas to the Royals. The Royals haven't had the same defensive line, lineup or batting order in how was it now 13 games. Um they're you know Bobby Witt's hitting the ball really well and yet he, you know he's he's going from one to two in the in the batting order. It seems like you know there's always this constant this change and that's a story unto itself. But I'm bringing that up because it, it didn't seem after the first homestand it didn't seem to matter what was different. It was same old for the Royals when it came to results. So I don't know what your expectations were for the Royals when they hit the road, but I was kind of gloomy Gus about the whole thing that the you know that we might see a you know another string of losses here and they'd be coming home with two wins on the on the year for you know coming back to Kansas City. Uh, but yeah, the start and the finish uh, of the of the road trips were good and um and and so to go three and three, does this does this give you kind of a little more faith in what the Royals are trying to do and, and, um, and, and what they may be about this year. It does for me, you know, it, it it's baseball, such a long season, right? And everybody, everybody will trot that out when you start one and six. Um, but I really think it's true. They, they really had some bad luck. If you look at the advanced metrics on the hard hit rate and, and that and whatnot, they just couldn't seem to come through in the clutch when they needed to. And I know clutch is a stat that people bristle at, but uh, they, they couldn't come through with runners on base and they did yesterday. And, you know, if you're looking for a positive sign and they had a lot of two out hits and they had, a, they put together a lot of really good at bats yesterday too. I thought, you know, they fell behind in the count 
in in situations and they they came through with big hits and that was the thing that was missing from the homestand they just couldn't do anything right in the, in the homestand although they were hitting the ball hard but you know you still got to come through it doesn't matter what the metrics tell you so i i feel like there's reason to believe that that there's reason for hope uh but they're playing the braves to these three games if you're looking for a benchmark to see how if things have turned a corner, I think that's going to be a good a good way to to judge them against the Braves. Well, at least it's not the Rays. Uh, but uh, <laughs> on on that uh, hard hit rate, I wanted to ask you more about that. Um, yes, uh, the Royals. That was sort of the. I think after the. I can't remember which game or even series that was the. Maybe it was after the homestand. They were leading baseball. There were one or two in in velocity off the bat, right? Hard hit rate. Um, and at the same time, they went into last night's game. Let me put on my cheaters so I can read the Royals' notes here. Um, last in the American League in hitting with uh, batting with runners in scoring position. So that was uh, – and then in, in the game that they lost on uh, Tuesday, the, the extra inning game where they – Battled back, took the lead in the top of the tenth, and, and uh, or yeah, top of the tenth, and, and then lost at eight to five. Um, they went four for twenty with runners in scoring position. Four for twenty. If you're getting twenty opportunities to hit with runners in scoring position, you're probably scoring. But the Royals couldn't even do that. Um, but you're right, Pete. So last night um, they, I forgot, I, I don't have it in front of me, but they were about six for twelve or something like that. They. They really took care of business with that, especially top of the order was, was terrific with uh, Melendez, Witt, and Pasquantino with the home run. Heck, bottom of the order was it was everybody but Salvi who was zero for five, um, got a hit. So, so is, was this one of those Scott? Was this one of those deals where something had to give? The Royals are hitting the ball hard, um, but they're not apparently not hitting it hard enough with runners in scoring position, or at least finding holes with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I, I mean, and and even in, you know, while they started to win some games, it felt like there were still a couple of those weird breaks. Like, Pete, I know you wrote about this, but I think it was MJ Melendez hitting a ball that goes off the wall and maybe hits a beer vendor, vendor's bucket. And, and no one's really sure, although he said, you know, he swears he thinks he heard it actually hit the beer bucket all the way out there um, in left center, wherever it was. Um, it, just, it, it just felt like things were going to drop eventually. And, and I thought you both said something that kind of connects and ties together and, and talking about, you know, the, it is a long season. And when you start poorly, everyone is really quick to say, you know, it is a very long season. Um, expectations for the Royals this year and still were also very, very low. And so I think, you know, they were a team that really could have benefited both from a fan engagement standpoint and probably from a confidence standpoint inside a young and new clubhouse from starting a lot faster than they did. And I think that's why like this road trip ultimately to me was really, really important for them. And, and you know, I, th I think the Royals shared on social media something like coming home after a 500 road trip or something like that, which, you know, on its face, it, you know, that's kind of like a sad thing to be touting out if that's like the banner of your season. But I, I do think for a young team and, and a team that's just looking to figure out how to piece together some wins, how to get guys playing well at the same time. And then, you know, maybe make a run at having a really good month or something or, you know, stringing together games where you feel really good about the young core and the young nucleus of their team. I think you saw the first step of that. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the pitching, but to me, that's been the one thing that, 
you know, it was definitely a question mark like everything coming into the year, but that's been the one to me that's really exceeded expectations because even in the outings that haven't gone as well, like Blair, you wrote about Scott Barlow or, you know, I covered a game where Brady Singer actually gave up four or five runs and talking to him after the game, he was thrilled with his performance. He was like, yeah, you know, they hit a couple of a couple of them that they shouldn't. But other than that, you know, the Royals were really satisfied. And by the way, they found a way to win that game, which is another, you know, anytime you can win when you don't have your best stuff, you know, you're you're still looking for those positives and, and OK, how can I be better now? So um, to, to me, it's all that that part of it is really, really important. And it's important for them not to lose sight of um, because I, I did mention the first day I showed up in San Francisco. You know, you asked a question about the offense and uh, you had a lot of guys who were tired of saying that they're hitting the ball hard and they were ready to talk about, oh, yeah, I had three doubles yesterday or, or something like that. All right. So we are going to talk about the pitching, uh, but let, let me uh, I'll take you inside the clubhouse last night. Uh, the music was blaring. Um, there was a ping pong table. The, the, the Texas Rangers visiting clubhouse large enough to have a ping pong table in it. Players were um, had a little ping pong tournament going on, so very uh, upbeat and jubilant clubhouse for um, you know for the Royals last night. I can't say I can't compliment the rest of the stadium. Pete and I were talking about that before we went on the air for a new ballpark. I hope if the Royals get their new ballpark, it'll be nicer than the one in Arlington Globe Life Field. And not, not I, I just. It looked like they tried to replicate um, Minute Maid Stadium in Houston and fell short in, in in several areas. But that's beside the point. Anyway, all right, let's take a break. And when we come back, I do want to talk about pitching, which encouraging uh, for the most part. But there was a you know one big problem this week. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says Start a Subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We are back on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. We're talking Royals with Scott Chasen and Pete Gradhoff. And uh, the Royals are 4-9, still underwater in the record. They're not in last place in the AL Central. The Tigers um, occupy that position. Royals with the day off on Thursday and uh, start a three-game series against the Braves on Friday, and you guys know who's coming into Kansas City after the Braves? You're right. These same Texas Rangers, the Royals <laughs> play the Rangers after the Braves, so they will be finished playing the Texas Rangers before they've played all but the Twins among their AL Central opponents. But they'll be they'll have wrapped up their season series with the Texas Rangers. So that means they're going to get Jacob DeGrom again. They actually had some really good swings against Jacob DeGrom, especially Vinny Pasquantino, who hit a couple of opposite field uh, doubles against DeGrom. The Royals felt good about their at-bats against DeGrom after the game, but um, that was a game that the Royals battled back, battled back, down 4-2, scored single runs in the eighth and ninth, Send it into extras, get the run in the 10th, 
And then uh, disaster. Scott Barlow gives up the three-run homer that breaks the tie. And it was painful to see because Barlow has been so good uh, for the for the Royals and um, just made a mistake and, and uh, got Heim got a, Jonah Heim just crushed it over the over the right field wall. So um, I got a little I got a couple of emails the next day, Pete, saying, um, uh, you know, why isn't Chapman the closer? Why is it um, you know, why does it continue to be Barlow? I don't think you can make a call after one instance, but if this persists, then um, then then maybe the Royals have something to think about with their closer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's good to have options. Um, it is too early to make a move. Barlow's been so good, and you can't just uh, bump him from that role after one outing. But Chapman's been unbelievable, right? Uh, he's just been incredible. And Scott wrote a great story about his success, but. Uh, Five games, you know, zero ERA, and he's got uh, nine strikeouts and one walk in uh, five innings. And I don't think anybody expected that when the Royals signed Chapman after how things went last year uh, with the Yankees at the end of the season. So this has been – he's been incredible. If he can keep that up, at the very least, very, very least, he'll be a a trade chip at the deadline um, and a possible closer for him if they – can kind of get back in the race with the expanded playoffs. Yeah, Pete, just to jump in, the other part of what you were saying, Blair, the reason why people might start wondering about Chapman is because it's a Rawless Chapman and because he's been so good and because, I mean, even even guys in the Royals clubhouse, Marvel, you know, other pitchers about he throws the ball a little bit faster than any everyone or, you know, even his, his off-speed stuff because of the velocity, because of the leverage, because of his, you know, physical tools, it, it's a lot harder to hit. Um, you know, I, I personally feel bad. I, I feel like I may have jinxed Scott Barlow by writing not like a day or two before he gave up that home run that he hadn't allowed to run since like August of last year. So um, I'll wear that one a little bit, but no, I, the Chapman development, I think has been pretty big for them. And, you know, you go around the clubhouse and just ask, you know, how uh, players feel when either one of them's up and, and they just kind of feel like it's game over. So, yeah, I, I agree. It would be, you know, it, it would be a little bit silly, especially, you know, given how well Scott Barlow has pitched for this team for, for a really long period of time now, you know, over 15 innings without giving up a run and only giving up a handful of hits, even in that time, uh, working around a leadoff triple to get a win in, in one of those, you know, San Francisco games. But um, the the point you mentioned, Pete, on a trade ship, I mean, Araldis Chapman looks like the guy that Araldis Chapman was before he wasn't. And um, that that's a, you know, a reliever, a closer or something that can help a playoff team. And so if that's not going to be Kansas City, you know, I can't imagine there, there's going to be a playoff team, uh, probably not the Yankees, um, that would gladly, you know, want him on the roster. And and the Rose would be able to command quite a price uh, in return for Chapman if he continues to pitch this way, because he'll, you know, you're, even if he's a rental player for, for a playoff team, then you, you, you would do everything to, to, to land him. Um, and, and, that, and that is, yeah, a good point about the expanded playoffs. That is if the Royals don't get, um, you know, don't, don't make a move uh, in, in the standings. I'm, I'm not ruling that out. I, maybe I'm, you know, I'm, I'm too persuaded by what I saw last night with Brad Keller and the Royals lineup 
Um, it's just one of those all come together games that we just don't see terribly often from first time this year. And then they're losing ways of the last few years. You just didn't have many games like this, but, you know, I'm watching it unfold thinking there's, you know, they're hitting, they're hitting, they're hitting with runners on um, the Rangers don't seem terribly interested in this game anymore. And I've seen many times that, that that's the Royals on, on that side of it. Uh, but, uh, but, but anyway, it was as complete a victory as I've seen from the Royals in a while. And part of that was because of Keller. And telling us after the game, of course, this was a spring training uh, story that you know, he added a curveball to his repertoire and, and worked on it, refined it. And, and, and last night, and I guess in his previous starts, trusted it more than, than he has trusted it and has more confidence in it. He told us last night after the game that in warmups, he couldn't throw a strike with his curveball. And in previous years, he would have jumped it. He would not have used the curveball in the game. And instead, you know, he not only uses it, it becomes his best pitch uh, in, in, in this victory over, over the Rangers. So what a good sign for Keller. Um, what, a, what a good sign for the Royals rotation. And both of you guys have seen some really nice starting pitching from the Royals. And, Scott, you saw – almost a masterpiece performance on on Sunday. Chris Bubich was the hard luck loser in that game, but that was phenomenal, his his performance there. And if if this is the Keller and Bubich we're going to see for the rest of the season, I'm feeling pretty darn good about this rotation. Yeah, the I mean, the only reason Chris Bubich even came out of the game was, you know, you could say because the Royals didn't have their manager. So they came into the game with the plan that he was going to go six and – you know, maybe, maybe, you know, Paul Hoover as acting manager, maybe once that decision back, he was only at 76 pitches when he came out of the game, he was cruising. Um, and especially toward the end of that outing, it seemed like Bubich was getting better. Um, he was going to the off speed more. He was going to the slider more. And, you know, he was talking about manipulating the shape of some of his pitches and he could throw it tighter to a right-handed hitter. Or he could, you know, take a little velocity off to a left-handed hitter, things like that where it, it just felt like he was confident. It felt like he was in control. Um, and, and you know, that was, it, it was a great pitching performance. Really felt like, you know, of the three games um, that I covered, their quote-unquote worst pitching performance was still a, a pretty good, you know, a, a pretty well-pitched game. But, yeah, Chris Bubich, it was unbelievable. And, and he talked about feeling the same way that he used to feel when he was starting to be in command coming up through the minors. And I, I just thought that's a really good sign for a guy who, you know, in a, in a similar vein is trying to add a new pitch, is trying to change the way he pitches um, and is trying to make that growth for this, you know, very, very young Royals team. Um, if he continues to pitch like his first two outings of the year, the Royals are going to have an absolutely fantastic pitcher with him this season. Uh, hopefully, I, you know, not to jinx him like I did Scott Barlow, but um, he's been pretty unbelievable to start the year. Lubich has been, I think, the big story. Uh, I ever, he was so frustrating to watch early on in his career the last few years where he just every every game it seemed like by the fifth inning he was in the 90s and pitch count for him to he's only walked one batter so far 13 strikeouts 1.64 era he, he, you're right and it's only two starts so you can't get too excited but if he's turned a corner here and can slot in there behind uh singer who who made a big jump last year the rotation looks great and Brad Keller is missing bats. A lot of strikeouts for him too. Yeah, you know, he was 
he was a really good starter there early on when the Royals got him as a rule five guy from the diamond. I think the diamondbacks. And um, if he also, I mean, that's a pretty, pretty salty top three. And you have Granky who's pitched well this year. I mean, I think the biggest story of the Royals at this point of the season, and it's only April 13th, it's not even tax day, but the starting pitching has been phenomenal. And that was a big question mark. It was a question mark. And even Jordan Lyles gave a gutty effort um, this week. He was the one that faced uh, Jacob deGrom, and he kept the Royals in that game. Um, It was, uh, it was four to two in the, in the seventh. And, um, uh, and then relievers kept it there until, you know, until the, the, the 10th, but um, yeah. And, and, you know, when they, I remember when they picked up Jordan Lyles, I'm thinking, well, at least they got an innings eater here, right. They can, um, they can get uh, bridge the rotation from more effective starters, but, but he's been, he's been okay. And um, it, 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 listen, it's early and, you know, the baseball cliche, the pitching's ahead of the hitting early in the year. That's, that's, that's probably true still. And, uh, but we'll have to see, but, you know, Grinky threw game one here, and that was the the eleven to two loss that the Royals had, and um, it wasn't his best stuff. But he battled through some. You know, there, there there was. It just seems like starting pitching is going to keep the Royals in games, and if this young lineup can can continue to develop, Vinny Pasquantino swinging a hot bat right now, and um, you know, Bobby Witt had a really nice series in in, in a ballpark that's just a few miles from where he grew up, so it was fun for him and. Pete, you had a nice story this morning about, uh, you know, his dad uh, catching a foul ball in the in, in the stands la- la- in last night's game, um, and and even NJ Melendez came out of his little mini slump and, and hit the ball really well last night. So anyway, we, we covered that ground earlier. We've covered a lot of ground, and we're going to cover more ground with the Royals, with, um, with with Scott and Pete as the season goes on. But guys, I really enjoyed the conversation, and let's do it again soon. Blair, I can't imagine a better setup man than you other than possibly a Robus Chapman. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to producer Randy Mason for putting together today's show and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Scott Chasen. Scott gets a second credit here. Thanks to him and Pete Gradhoff for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition, loaded with baseball, NFL draft coverage, the NBA playoffs, the NHL, golf, so much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.